ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 204th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at iirsports, one word, at dot com. And as always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, an event of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined later by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is actually happening as we speak, uh, which is the British Open in general, but in particular, uh, Nick Faldo just is ending his career at the U.S. at the British Open. He just did the coolest thing where he changed sweaters, so he's wearing the sweater, the actual sweater that he wore when he won one of his British Opens, and it is uh, just a classic moment occurring as we speak again on. Uh, ESPN, and that is not the only highlight of the day because later in the day, Tom Watson will also be wrapping up his competitive British Open career, and uh, he just teed off. It's already uh, shaping up to be very, very special, and if what we're seeing with Nick Faldo is any indication... Tom Watson will be equally special. And, oh, by the way, teeing off as I speak, on the second hole is is Jordan Spieth. And found it interesting yesterday that uh, he and Dustin Johnson were paired together, basically picking right up where they left at the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay a couple weeks ago in that uh, spectacular finish, which, of course, Spieth won and... Dustin three-putted the 18th green to give away not only a chance at victory, but even a chance for sudden death. So yesterday, uh, they were number one and two on the leaderboard playing together. So it's like they're bringing out the best of each other and and the worst in the case of uh, <laughs> Dustin Johnson on the 18th green at the uh, U.S. Open. But uh, can't help but think. We could have a, a budding rivalry here uh, with the two of these guys. Uh, there's no better way to have started it than the way the U.S. Open ended. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be great theater. Uh, and again, speaking of great theater, I mean, Nick Faldo is literally lining up what could be his final putt ever competitively at the U.S. Open, or British Open, excuse me, getting the two Opens mixed up. And... Uh, the crowd is massive, as they like to say in Europe. Uh, they're literally hanging from the balconies. 
and uh, surrounding the 18th. So it's, it's just truly quite a sight, uh, to say the least, watching uh, Nick Faldo. He's literally about to take uh, a long putt on its way. It's good to give you some live every once in a while. I left it short. And uh, so, again, truly one of my favorite weekends of the year, uh, waking up. Uh, no different than last week, wake it up, turn on the TV, and boom, instantly uh, competitive British Open golf. Last week it was Wimbledon. Uh, so it's uh, just terrific. And when it come, comes live from St. Andrews, the home of golf, where it was founded, it makes it uh, all the more terrific. So yes, it is uh, something special and something not so special leads right into my bizarre story of the week, which was Tiger Woods opening round. I know I mentioned Tiger a lot recently in bizarre stories and or lowlights, but again, we just continue to see things that we never thought we would see, which was, you know, yesterday, it's a nice tee shot to start his British Open, and then plunks the second shot right into the water. Bogey's the first two holes, first time he's ever done that at the British Open. Or And, uh, you know, we saw more of what we've been seeing recently, which is, uh, you know, chunking chip shots, you know, 40, 50 yards off the green and, and hitting the ball literally only 20 yards like I would. Missed short putts uh, all over the place. Uh, so he finished four over, 76, his worst round ever at St. Andrews. And uh, so, yeah, the Tiger Woods situation continues to just mystify. Uh, but back on the other side of it, we have again Nick Faldo taking about a four foot putt for par on what is his potential final stroke ever. And he made it. Fittingly, Nick Faldo, very likable, cool customer, to say the least, and uh, and truly a great champion. So great day to be at the British Open. Uh, wins in the 30s, heading to the 40s tomorrow. Uh, Going to be fascinating, uh, to say the least, to, uh, to be watching all weekend long. My low light of the week was the baseball all-star game, which got its lowest TV rating ever. It's kind of surprising. It was on the heels of the uh, home run derby, uh, which actually uh, was, was pretty entertaining, especially with the hometown hero from Cincinnati winning it. Uh, so the crowd was going nuts at the very end. And uh, so th their, their tweaks really seem to work. Uh, so it was surprising uh, that, you know, it had such a low rating, uh, TV rating. And it was interesting. I mean, they did this Franchise 4 thing. Of course, Pete Rose came out. Uh, and in front of his Cincinnati Reds home crown. He's a Cincinnati hometown boy, legendary in that town, and of course beyond. Uh, like him, don't like him, you can't deny his legend in the game. Most hits ever in the history of baseball. But 
I, for one, was disappointed with the, like, ovation. I thought it was, you know, just okay. I thought the reaction was, you know, uh, fairly muted. I thought it was going to be an opportunity where Cincinnati people were just going to, you know, just uh, give them an ovation for the ages. I didn't think that was the case at all. Uh, So I guess it just went hand-in-hand with the overall night which was basically, you know, nothing special. A lot of young players in it. Um, I think 20 players under the age of 25 or something. Uh, So that could be good, but, uh, you know, it wasn't good for this year. And finally, my event of the week that I attended was last weekend, attending the Gold Cup, CONCACAF Gold Cup matches, at nearby Gillette Stadium on Friday night, where the U.S.-Haiti preceded game match preceded by the Panama-Honduras match uh, drew a record Gillette Stadium crowd for soccer of 46,700 for Gold Cup soccer. And it was absolutely electric. Uh, just a great night. I talked about it, of course, last Friday uh, for my entire opening segment, uh, and that was just the training and the press conferences, but it was really uh, a great night at Gillette, perfect weather, as you may have seen on national TV, it was on Fox Sports, U.S. game was great, goal 1-0 win, goal in the second half by who else, Clint Dempsey who had the first two goals in the first game. So at that moment in time, through two games, he had all three U.S. goals. And uh, what was just terrific was just the nationalism involved. I mean, everybody was wearing their jerseys, particularly from Honduras, which seemed to have the biggest crowd next to, of course, USA. But Haiti and Panama, well-represented. And just massive groups of people uh, just back in their team. It was just really uh, electric all night long. And the Panama on tourist game, uh, very, very chippy to say the least. A lot of pushing, a lot of shoving. And it was just really uh, very entertaining and quite the warm up for what was a terrific. USA Haiti game. Haiti always gives the US trouble, you know, with the one nothing game. I mean Haiti was right in it, obviously, till uh the final moments. Uh had some good shots on goal, so it was just electric all night long. So really just uh you know, could not have been more impressed with the Gold Cup. Uh Jurgen Klinsmann, the American coach from Germany, uh originally won World Cups with Germany. He is an absolute rock star, his press conference, hanging from the rafters, literally. Uh, And even the other coaches, you know, from Panama and uh, and Honduras speaking Spanish. So they had translators at their press conferences. And then the Haiti coach speaking French. and, uh, And it was just awesome. And by the way, manager is the proper term, not coach in the world of soccer. <clears throat> so it was just really a wonderful, wonderful uh, couple of days over at Gillette Stadium covering the CONCACAF Gold Cup. 
Now we're getting into the knockout stages here, starting uh, tomorrow. USA, of course, is right in there, and uh, this is going to go on over the course of the next uh, 10 days or so. So it's going to be very entertaining, to say the least. World Cup uh, births in play here. Uh, So uh, competitive soccer. We're not talking friendly here. We're talking seriously competitive soccer, as was evidenced on the pitch last Friday night. So, now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Doing great. Just had come back from Hoover, Alabama, the side of SEC Media Days, so had a good week. Yeah, well, lucky you. You were where every college football journalist wanted to be, and uh, it seems like just about every college football media person was there. Twelve hundred, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Uh, how how was it? 
I was thinking of you all week long as you were just uh, churning out, churning out the copy. Yeah, John, it was, it was fine. Uh, you get a chance to see a lot of people from around the country you, you don't normally uh, have moments to visit with. Uh, so you catch up on those acquaintances. And, and uh, of course, the national media, they have one perspective, and the local media, they provide another. I think a case in point might be Nick Saban. He was there on the third day, and normally when he's at the podium, he's going to emphasize something that maybe should be addressed or changed. And this year he spoke of the NFL um, date of December 15th. That's the last day that juniors can request and receive the information of their chances to be picked in the draft. Well, he, he thought a good idea might be to push that date back so the student-athletes could enjoy their last game. That's the, the choice. Um in the bowl game. So, you know, it does, when you're playing that final championship game on the 11th and you have to make those decisions a day or two after about the NFL, it kind of it takes all the fun out of playing in the bowl game because your, your mind's thinking about your future, but you have this unbelievable opponent that you're trying to, you know, beat. So there's a conflict there. And, and Nick Saban, he said those things uh, from the podium. And the national media, they, they thought it was a lame excuse for losing to Ohio State. But uh, Nick Saban had to clarify those comments, and he said, no, that, that wasn't my intention. The responsibility to motivate my team and get my, my team to play uh, good football at that time of year is with me. So it wasn't a lame excuse. It was just the fact that I was uh, voicing my opinion about the, the mentality of my team. And I agreed 100% with his comments. I mean, Nick Saban, you know, has reached and earned the point of, you know, when Nick Saban speaks, people listen. And when he has these forums, national forums, so to speak, he tends to pretty consistently these days, it seems, you would know better than me, but he seems to address, you know, topics that are on his mind that often have, you know, again, national ramifications for the game of college football and, you know, I like it. He, he is, you know, I, I won't use the word elder, that would, but he is kind of the statesman slash spokesman almost uh, of college football, and that's what you get with four national championships. But on this one, I think it just makes perfect sense. I mean, there, there's no reason. And he made really, to me, the most common sense point of all is the draft has moved back. Why not move it back? You, you know, moved back this deadline. I mean, I... Without knowing all the nuances, I can't imagine this should be any big deal for the NFL or whatever. Uh, it just, again, you should college players should be able to play the national championship game, not to mention the two playoff games, with a completely 100% clear head and focus on those two games, period. It, we're, we all benefit if that's the case. Yeah, John, I mean, it's a clear case of, you know, those student-athletes, they're given everything they have in their careers, and why jeopardize the the game itself by, because you, you someone cannot make a decision to move that date back. I mean, it's just, it's common sense, really, that they'll enact something that takes care of that NFL draft grade situation and not having to 
we're about in the middle of December when when you're trying to get ready to play the the college football playoff semifinal and, and eventually the championship game. So the college football they have to take care of their their business. Well, exactly, and you know, just to take it a step further. I mean, you can't underestimate how this would weigh on a you know twenty year old's mind. I mean, you know, they're starting to get it. The, the, it's during this time frame when they're hearing, you know. Are they going to get drafted? If so, how high? You know, and you know, it's only human nature. If you're hearing like that, you're getting drafted as high as you expected, or maybe even higher than you thought. I mean, you, you know, you, thoughts might creep into your head about you know, not not playing with the abandon that got you where you were, because you know, all of a sudden, the dream is is practically within your grasp, and you know, and just on the flip side, you, you know, if you're told or getting the vibe that, you know, maybe you're not going to be drafted as high or maybe not at all, whatever, and, you know, that's not what you were anticipating, you know, that that, that could, you know, mess with your mind mentally, like depress you. Uh, again, either way, potential exists to take focus away from all the things that got you to the point where you're even being, you know, considering coming out early. So it's just, uh, again, you cannot, you and I have attended some drafts. We've seen the joy. You know, you cannot underestimate the amount of play this could have on these players mentally, the drain potentially, or the effect. So I'd love to see it. Again, it's one distraction. Coaches don't like distractions. And in, in, in so many ways, this is really the ultimate distraction if you think about it. Yeah, I think so, and it's really, I think it's kind of comical the way the national media, every time Nick Saban makes some of these suggestions, there's, they've always tried to analyze, you know, play pop psychology, his motivation of some of these, you know, issues that are, he takes them very seriously. He wouldn't be, he's not at that podium uh, trying to crack jokes, you know, most of the time, he He's, he's very thoughtful in his approach. Now, you may not agree with the position he, he you know, is taking, but they're always trying to... I mean, Nick Saban is not a person that make, goes around making excuses. When you're being paid the highest amount to coach a college football team, there's only one person that's in charge, I can tell you that. I agree, AP, and I thought he handled it beautifully. Frankly, I hadn't heard... I heard about his comments, but I hadn't heard about the backlash, the uh, uh, people saying he was using an excuse, but then what I did hear was Nick Saban addressing it, and I frankly just thought he handled it beautifully. I just think, you know, he was just very straightforward. He said, you know, he was surprised people would take his comments as an excuse, and then he just, in every way possible, in three or four sentences, you know, completely, totally accepted, you know, blame, whatever you want to call it, heaped upon himself for that Ohio State loss, period. He could not have handled it more up front. So, you know, my respect grew for him on the way he handled it. And I, I again, it, I, I was surprised like he was that, you know, anybody would go there on the excuse. It's a much bigger issue than trying to, you know use it as an excuse for one game, that's for sure. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of an outrageous to ever believe that Nick Saban is going to offer some type of excuse. I mean, he has too much respect for other coaches and the game of college football. He was, I don't think that's some, what he was, I mean, he comes from a background, if you know anything about him, his daddy was not one who accepted excuses. Right. So I'm sure that was not his habit as a younger person trying to make excuses for something that went awry in his life. Yep, he grew up in coal mining country in West Virginia. I actually uh, worked there for a couple of years, not far from where Nick Saban grew up, and uh, rest assured, in the shadow of the coal mines, uh, nobody thinks about excuses. It's not in the thought process at all. <laughs> I, I can assure you of that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, hard, it's a hard life. Right, right. So, so from my perspective, it's a shallow analysis from the national media. Yeah, well, Nick Saban, you know, clearly a polarizing figure. Obviously, that just comes with, you know, comes with winning. It just does. And, uh, but, you know, again, he's, uh, you know, he's on, he's the king of college football from the coaching perspective. And, uh, you know, he, he is a rock star. I watched him walk into the hotel, and it's just like, you know, uh, the swirl around him is unbelievable, as as you must witness on a regular basis. Yeah, the lobby that day, uh, John, far surpassed any other team. You know, Auburn was there the first day and had a nice crowd, but there was nothing like all the Alabama people that showed up the day that Nick Saban was there to trying to get some autographs and take some photos with him. I'm sure, yes. I, I actually watched that live, and it was really, uh, you know, fun to see. I, I enjoy it. Uh, now, is Hoover, Alabama, is that like near Birmingham? Is it like a suburb? That, that's a suburb, John. It's, it's John Shurs, yeah. If uh, some people maybe recall Hoover, they had the, the football team, the high school football team that was on it was the MTV. They did a, a show about them in their season, and Hoover was the place where they had the double-A baseball team, and Michael Jordan was part of that team at one time. So those are some of the things Hoover's known for besides having a really good high school program. Yeah, legendary high school program. We're talking De La Salle, Massillon, Ohio. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> you know, top five legendary high school programs in America for sure. And, uh... So, awesome. Well, AP, uh, you know, we have a lot of other SEC teams, and uh, <laughs> they're all interesting. The league is clearly the most interesting there is. And, uh, you know, so a lot more to cover, but why don't we uh, take our break for now, and on the way back, uh, we'll talk about uh, your other thoughts concerning SEC Media Day that you were at all week long. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., you were at SEC Media Days all week long in Alabama. We talked about uh, some of the highlights, particularly with Nick Saban. And his comments, uh, always a headliner, but a lot of other high-profile SEC teams. So, love to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, just what you saw uh, during the rest of the week. Yeah, the, the most entertaining always is Steve Spurrier, John. He, he right. came out there and he was talking about his 7-6 and six season, you know, not as good as he hoped for. Uh, they they'd won 10-11 games in the past and he's trying to get back to that level but he he always takes a back you know takes a jab at other schools and he said well in Tennessee and Arkansas they were doing cartwheels uh, with their record at seven and six and uh, so when Brett Villanueva came on stage and Butch Jones they they made had a comeback comment that you know contrary to popular belief we, we weren't doing any cartwheels in, in Arkansas and Tennessee something to that effect so Spurrier is always just he, he's he's talking about saving, you know, going to the NFL. He said, but you know, he makes so much money to Alabama. Why would he? Or just he just always has his tentacles out, touching every program and, and making a comment. Yeah, he's great. I watched him live. I mean, that's again, you know, we talked about Nick Saban's stature, but you know, uh, you can't overlook Steve Spurrier by any means, nor would you want to. I mean, it was like. The minute I saw him stride to the podium, I stopped what I was doing, sat down, and gave it a 100% of my attention. 
and that's the uh, that's what Steve Spurrier has risen to, and uh, he, he's just so entertaining. You know, he's got so much credibility in my mind, and uh, you know, he just has a certain way about him, and the way he turns a phrase, a little bit of the folksiness, the old ball coach, former Heisman Trophy winner. You know, my favorite line of all time is when he called Florida State Free Shoes University at the height of their, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I think that's the all-time classic, uh, at the height of their uh, uh, sh- sneaker scandal. And uh, yeah. he, he's a funny guy, period, but he gets it, you know, boy, like his yeah. his comments, speaking of Florida State, his comments about... Uh, you know, what happens at South Carolina if you hit a woman, and he talked about two players, not star players, but who had been dismissed immediately, were really telling. In other words, zero tolerance, no black and white. He just stated it as firmly as I've ever heard Steve Spurrier state anything. And it was like, wow, you know, that was impressive, you know. So he's a fascinating guy. Most fascinating coach in America, without a doubt. Yeah, there was no room for error on that issue. You know, he he spoke candidly and straight to the point. Uh, He he was very, uh, you know, effective when he made those comments. Uh, He sent that strong message to anybody considering South Carolina. You, You better not even think about any type of domestic violence. I mean, you're just not going to get a second chance. And I, you know, I applaud him for those kind of things because it, it, some some coaches they they're going to take it to the nth degree to try to massage something that happened. And with him, you're out the door. I mean, you, you can't pack your bags quick enough. Yeah, there's no gray area with him, and you know, like it or not, you have to respect it because again, there's nothing left to the imagination. There's again no gray area. And this is, again, what you have to love about Spurrier is, you know, he also, again, keep in mind, he's the head coach at South Carolina and grew up in Tennessee. He used to obviously coach Florida and the Redskins but um, and Duke and on and on. But, uh, you know, he addressed the Confederate flag issue as well, which is the hottest of hot buttons in his state. But, you know, and he's addressed it for a while. He's like, you know, he was like – Here's the best way to say it. He, he's actually so good that he seems to be out ahead of these controversies. And then by the time they become hot topics nationwide, you look at him and he's already like kind of handled it or given his opinion on it or whatever. Yeah, he's proactive on certain issues, and that was one of them. John, I think it was interesting, I thought, if you ask any football coach some type of political-related question, normally they dodge. You know, exactly. They duck, and dodge, duck and dodge. But, I mean, that question was asked of Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, of, of the coach at Ole Miss, and they they wanted to answer and, and you know, take a stand on that issue. It, it was something that, that, that was... Um, important to them to make a statement, to be out front and not sit back and just say, well, I'm, a, I'm just a football coach, because everybody knows, realistically, they're, they're more than just a football coach in their state. 
Absolutely. So, yeah, they all addressed the Confederate flag issue? Quite a few of them were asked that question. That they were, I mean, in the, in the main media room, the print media room, that they were asked, not, not one coach that I listened to, and I was there for every single one, 14 coaches, and uh, they, they made a statement uh, on that issue. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I had my first ever visit to Charleston just this past April. And, you know, the truth is, you know, when I think when most people think of the Confederate flag, they don't think necessarily first of South Carolina, even though that's where the first shots were fired. It's Fort Sumter. I literally looked right at it, Fort Sumter. I think people, myself included, think of Mississippi. That's the state that you. I think most people associate most strongly with the Confederate flag. Would you agree? Yes, yes, because they have, th- th- that was on uh, their mind years ago when they asked people not to bring that inside the stadium. And so they they had uh, a policy in place. I think it's, I, I'm going to say it's over a decade ago, John, about that uh, Confederate flag business. I did not know that, but I'm not surprised. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's always remarkable how these uh, subjects come to the forefront in often in tragic ways, as was certainly the case here. Um, but yeah, again, yeah, yeah, the SEC is just, uh, it's always in, in kind of the middle of things for so many reasons. Uh, I watched Les Miles from LSU. I mean, we talk entertaining and... Again, he's just, you know, when he strides to the podium, you pretty much, you know, not spurrier, but right behind him, I think you stop what you're doing and uh, see what he has to say. I know I did yesterday. Yeah, John, what happened uh, this week was Dan Mullen, he had these fancy shoes that the sneakers were sparkling and and uh, he, he wore those into the press conference and he had the Dapper Dan looking suit uh, and... And then he was followed up by Brett Dilema. He said he didn't want to be left out of the sneaker war, you know, so he, he had these bright shoes as well. And then Les Miles, he walks in with an, an old-style pair of L.A. Laker Converse, that if you <laughs> recall, Magic Johnson with a high tops, and he set them on the, his uh, PR guy set them right on the table. He goes, you know, I didn't want to be left out of this discussion, so I brought my own set of shoes. I didn't wear them, but I'm, I can't fit them, but I'm putting them on the table. I love it. That's less miles for you right there. <laughs> that's great. And, you know, that's the other thing about the SEC. And, again, you're the expert. But for me, sort of from the outside looking in, as it were, uh, the intensity is unrivaled. But there's also an element of fun that you don't really see in every conference. I mean, th- that's the beauty in my mind, of the SEC, uh, that, you know, they seem to be able to mix passion and fun uh, pretty well, and uh, never more so, you know, than this past week. Yeah, you're right, John. There is some entertainment value. They understand. They all have their own sense of humor. Uh, If you look at all the coaches, I'm, I'm just trying to think about them in my mind, the 14, they've always, they've all had funny statements that I've seen them make uh, different times in their press conferences. So they don't lack for a sense of humor, and, and they bring that entertainment value as well to the podium, and, and it makes it fun. And, and they're, 
they're not afraid. I don't think they're afraid to talk about some of their other brethren in the league. And, you know, it's all good-natured living, really. Well, it really is, you know, and I think it stems from the fact that uh, they have respect for each other. And even, you know, even if a coach is new or whatever, you know, they have respect for the program and for the conference. And, you know, so whoever comes in, be it Butch Jones a couple of years ago, someone you and I got to know well from the American Athletic Conference, uh, media days that we covered, uh, yeah, you know, they, uh, again, they're part of the fraternity. And, and, you know, I'd say right behind the NFL coaches fraternity, of which there are only 32 jobs in the world, might be, you know, the, the, the next most exclusive might darn well be the SEC, of which, as you just said, there are only 14. That's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, even I was thinking about this, John, as you were, you were talking. I mean, Mark Rick yesterday, when someone asked him about being criticized, and he, and he, he uh, quickly replied, well, I didn't, I didn't know I was criticized, you know, so that got a big laugh in the room. And, you know, they, they all understand that when you're being paid that amount of money, that the comments made, you can't take those seriously because you're going to hear remarks from your alumni, your fans, the media. I mean, probably your wife is going to criticize you once in a while for a play you might call. So they all understand the microscope and the scrutiny that an SEC coach has to endure. Well, exactly. Well, I had the good fortune, you know, early, early, early in my career. I was the editor of a paper in Florida after growing up in Pennsylvania in my early 20s. And, you know, moved down to Florida in literally week three. A bunch of people in the new town I moved in invited me to attend a Florida Gators game in the swamp. And I later, and it was against LSU, uh, the next year I got to see Florida, Tennessee, also in the swamp. So, and this is coming out of a lifetime of watching Pitt and Penn State games, but, you know, I never forgot it. And, you know, I, I'm lucky because early on I, I got a taste of the SEC. And again, I, yeah, I knew it was different. I just did. And I grew up around some pretty high profile, fo- profile football myself. But when I got to those two Florida games in my early 20s, I was like, wow, this is unique. And I've been able to enjoy it ever since then uh, because I had the you know, good fortune to attend a couple games early. It was awesome. Never forget it. Yeah, the SEC, I mean, uh, John, I think I've, maybe I've told you this story before, but when the Rose Bowl people visited for the first time in 2009, when Alabama was being considered for the championship game, they they just could not believe the level of enthusiasm at the stadium and game day activities. Uh, I remember I was I remember this distinctly. I was on the field with them at the end of the game, and Alabama was beating LSU, and the crowd was loud and and just brimming with excitement. And they looked up in the stands, and they kind of looked at me. And said, are, "Are the people going to come out of the stands uh, when the game?" And they they got a little bit nervous. And no, they're they're just very excited, and they they've been to a few of these before. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well said. Well, on that note, why don't we wrap up this segment? Uh, and lots more to still talk about in our final segment. 
coming up after the break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine, and my pick of the week. And for appointment viewing is waking up the next two days to the British Open. It's on live now. It's raining. It's windy. Jordan Speed, Dustin Johnson, and Tiger Woods are all early in their afternoon rounds, afternoon over there. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, uh Immediately following the radio show uh, would be a good time to tune in, and uh, it's going to be an interesting afternoon given the weather I'm looking at right now. And uh, but closer to home, we're talking SEC football media days, which our uh, expert guest host AP Stedham, of course, attended all week long. And AP, we covered a lot of it, but you know, as always with the SEC. Some new faces, some returning faces. Why don't you talk about, uh, you know, some of the players on the field that we can look forward to this year? I, if I was going to look at one player, John, that people may not know a lot about prior to the season, it'd be the Auburn quarterback, Jeremy Johnson. He's six foot five, athletic, uh, could have played Division One basketball. He's been the backup the last two seasons. He was invited to be part of the SEC Media Days, one of the three players Auburn brought to Hoover um, on Monday. And I, I think that the coaching, I mean, the, the media had a lot of confidence in him because 
they elected him as their second team all SEC quarterback, and it was just released today. The the wow. media voting. So that's amazing. You know, have, yeah, I mean, here he is yet to be a full time starter, and he's already selected as the second team all SEC quarterback by the media. That's incredible. Really, I mean, we're, we're, again, we're talking the SEC. I'm going to hazard a guess as to who I think the first team selection is. Uh, I'm going to guess Dak Prescott of Mississippi State. Am I right? Did you get right, John, on, on that score? Yes, uh, yeah, Dak's back for another year. Big, strong quarterback. Fits that Mississippi State system. Uh, I had a chance to visit with him uh, momentarily. I asked him about playing the position, and he couldn't impress upon me more. Uh, I asked him what advice he would give to someone trying to play the position in the SEC, and he, he said you got to get in that film room, and the, the mental part of the, the game is the most important for a quarterback. You can have all the ability, the arm strength, the, the quickness of feet. You can elude the tacklers, but you must get in that film room, study, understand the pre-reads, understand defenses, and you must know where to throw the football um, to survive in that league because it's, it's so fast um, on the defensive line. They get to the quarterback. You know, there's a lot of blitzing. It's all about the speed on the defensive side as well as the offense. So he couldn't emphasize that, that enough. He's, he's glad to be back. But yeah, here's another strange thing. Uh, Mississippi State with Dak Prescott, the number one quarterback in the league, they were picked last in the SEC West. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. For for the preseason, for the season coming up, preseason right. prognostication. Yeah, yeah. They, they were picked for last in the West. I mean, they lost quite a few players. So that'll tell you how competitive the SEC West will be this year as it is normally. But uh, phenomenal talent and on that side. It means, you know, the West has dominated for a little while now. I mean, it runs in cycles. And, you know, and on the East, the prohibitive favorite is, is Georgia. Okay. Um, well, you know, uh, just back to the SEC West. I mean, we talked about, you know, uh, Dak Prescott, and what I remember when I think of him, what I remember is the night he, you know, enters America's sporting consciousness, at least for me and I think for millions of others, that night game against LSU. He was just remarkable, uh, to say the least. And uh, speaking of LSU, one of the other high-profile players coming back this year for uh, for the Tigers is, of course, their running back. Why don't you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, Leonard Fournette, John. It was funny. He showed up with a bright red bow tie, and he was asked about, that's that that wardrobe, and he said Les Miles wanted to spray paint that purple instead of keeping that red bow tie. He wanted to change the color of that that bow tie, so that was kind of funny. But Leonard Fournette, you know, very talented top running back coming out last year, the freshman. He listed right. at six one, two hundred thirty pounds. He has massive thighs, John. Very big lower base. You could tell you it must be so difficult to wrap your arms around him to tackle. He, he had a pretty good freshman year after he hit his stride later on in the season and, and you know, he if he gets it going, he can be in that Heisman discussion, I believe. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, last year as a freshman, I mean, he showed flashes. I mean, highlight real stuff, uh, you, you know. But as a freshman, I think he, you know, it, it wasn't perfect. Never is. Uh, but he, again, he showed some flashes. Uh, that just tells you he is going to be special. More special this year than last. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. But I want to go back to what you were saying about Georgia. So Georgia is the prohibitive favorite in the SEC East. Yes, they sure are. Uh, they have, you know, excellent, excellent running back in Nick Chubb. And, yep. you know, they're, they're you know, probably still looking for a quarterback. But they, they've always, they recruit well. They have good talent in Georgia. And the East right now, I don't think there's a another strong team you know, that can really, you know, challenge them. Florida's got a new coach, you know, Jim McElwain, came from Colorado State, former offensive coordinator at Alabama. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee is the, is the hot team on the rise over there. I, w- I yep. will say, Butch Jones, yeah, the, you know, Butch Jones, he's building up a pretty good program, and you know, then you have you know Vanderbilt, Kentucky. There's you know Vanderbilt's a new coordinator now hired a few coaches, so they're trying to rebound and get going in a positive direction. And Kentucky still needs some more players, and um, the other the other team over there, Missouri is. I mean, they they never get any respect, John. But but Gary Pinkle, he must he he must do a fine job of developing players because he does not get the top talent. But yet he's won the title a couple times in the East. Exactly. Yeah, nobody respects him yet. They keep showing up in the SEC championship game, and you know they just joined the conference a couple of years ago. So. You know, it's funny you had mentioned Nick Chubb because that was, a, for me, an SEC moment a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, whenever, uh, you know, Todd Gurley gets hurt or was suspended or whatever, all of a sudden Nick Chubb shows up and, you know, to use a social media term, I was SMH, shaking my head because this guy just shows up and it's just like awesome on the first time he touches the ball. Racks up, I believe, a couple hundred yards rushing, and I just, again, shaking my head at, like, the depth of talent on these SEC teams. It was just something I won't soon forget. So I'm glad you mentioned his name. It was amazing. Yeah, Nick Chubb and Leonard Fournette, those are the preseason first team, all SEC running backs. So, you know, you do pretty well if you're an NFL team and have both of those guys in your backfield. Exactly, exactly. And, again, you know, Walking on the field and between the hedges to succeed Todd Hurley, or fill in for him, I should say, that is not an easy thing to do. Yet the guy handled it beautifully, and I won't soon forget it. And just, again, that's the SEC for me, moments like that right there. Yeah, and, and just, uh, just a quick note on the all-SEC team, John. Alabama had two guys on the offensive line. Senator Ryan Kelly, fifth-year senior from Ohio, and Cam Robinson, the Freshman All American from Louisiana, so Alabama should be, you know, said even though they have replaced a few people on their offensive line, they're looking very good in, uh, with that unit. I'm sure they are. And AP, great report as always. Great to get your perspective and from being there. And uh, thank you. Hard to believe we're at the end of our show this quickly, but that's what happens when we talk college football. Yeah, John, there's never enough. We sure do have a good time talking some college football. I'd really appreciate it. Oh, our pleasure. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.
Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. We'll be right back.